patriarchy is everywhere and we act like it's not and that's the conspiracy the gift that we all got by sort of being introduced into the world of punk rock and the underground music scene because every single one of those people in that scene is living their weird he was supposed to come home and feed the dogs he leaves the dishes strewn about the kitchen Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Cinemarter Podcast. My name is Ryan, and I am joined today by my good buddy Michael Petro. Mike, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hey, everybody! This is Doctor Mike. It's always good to be back here. Ryan, one of my favorite conversation partners. These movies always give a good excuse to hang out. I hope you're doing well. It's been a whole <laughs> week or two, which is crazy. Normally, we wait like six months to do these. Yeah, I know. We're we're, we're trying. We're trying to get uh, tighter on these. Uh, I know you and I are both, you know, as usual. Uh, life life is uh, a little rocky and rolly lately. Uh, we don't know which end is up. We don't know is oh COVID coming back? Is it gone? Um, and I know that work has been picking up for me, and uh, I know that you've been uh, you've been in the thick of it too. So, um, but I'm excited that we get we are here and we are uh, doing a, a new episode. So, uh, what yeah, what has life been like for you down in in Albuquerque? What's what's uh, how's it been the past few weeks? Yeah, uh, you know, the COVID thing is like every romance I had in my 20s. Every time I think it's gone, it, it creeps back in somehow. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, and so it's, it's, we're kind of in this weird in between where like people are starting to mask again and we haven't quite locked anything down yet. I was really looking forward to going back to work in the office. I've been out of the office since March of 2020. We were supposed to go back and, uh, we were supposed to start going back in the next couple of weeks and they just pushed it back by another 30 days to wait and see what is the Delta variant. Um, so, and, and I, and I should, I should 100% because I, this is an X-Files episode. So we could go in a lot of interesting directions. I want to say right up front, like Ryan and I both 100% support responsible COVID behavior, like get vaccinated, wear a mask, yep. follow social distancing guidelines, do what your local and federal government are telling you to do, you robotic drones. No, really, you should. You really, really should, uh, because I think we'd all like to get back to to life as normal again. And the only way that's going to happen is if people work together to make it happen. But oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's not my favorite. Beyond that, buddy, it's it's a lot to do. It's just not a lot to tell. I've been working on some crazy projects with work. Just wrapped up that other podcast that I work on called Learning How to See. Um, and it's been hot and smoky out here, dude. Mm. In addition to a lot of like being super busy because of the fires, the air quality has been super bad, wow. which has also made the air thicker, which has made it humid out here. And it's never really humid in New Mexico. But um, none of that is very sexy or exciting. That's about what I have going on. Uh, I, I went to a movie or two. I think that's about where it stops, you know? Yeah, I'm uh, uh, in the same boat. Uh, you know, it's... Uh... <sighs> been super busy and so like i haven't had the opportunity to get out as much as i had but mm-hmm. this delta variant and all this stuff man i just i'm so over this stuff you know and uh it's boy i wish we could just get our crap together and just work together as a society and <laughs> and figure this thing out because <laughs> it's getting old man oh um and and i don't you know i don't i, I don't think we're gonna 
I think we would be hard pressed as a society uh, to uh, shut down again. I think that like politically yeah. speaking and all that crap, I don't think they're going to shut us down again. I think the only answer yeah. now is either people are responsible or a whole lot of people are going to get sick and die. I mean, I think yeah. that's where we're at. And uh, it's uh, it sucks. It really sucks. It does. Um, and it makes me feel like a really terribly selfish human being because I'm just thinking about how like there's a distillery on the street that I just discovered and they and they have a nice blend that tastes like a mix between a scotch and a whiskey with a dark chocolate aftertaste. Mm. And all I really care about is oh, I want to wow. go out. I want to drink some of that scotch. And yeah. uh, really, I should be more deeply motivated by the fact that, you know, people are suffering. Um yeah. And some days. Well, and it's tricky too, right? Cause it's, it's by, it's by, you know, where you are, what your population density is, what the rates are at, you know, yep. I mean, it's, it's all a, I don't know. It's, it's very complicated and I just hope we can, I hope we can get through this stuff. Um, it's getting a little, getting a little old at this point, but what about, You're um, not wrong buddy. What about movies or anything that you've, uh, have you watched anything fun over the last couple of weeks besides the thing that we're talking about today? Is there anything exciting? You yeah, want to actually. So I, I went, I actually went to the movie theater and saw the movie, the suicide squad, which was quite a bit of fun. Um, it was actually, it got better as it went, as it started getting rolling. It was, yeah. it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, that yeah. was a good one. Uh, did you see it? You yeah. can watch it on HBO. That was great. Yeah, we watched it on HBO. It was totally a fun ride. Um, way gorier than I thought. Like, way more intense. Like, you know what I mean? Holy like, crap. But yeah. it was really fun. It was like, we were like laughing. Like, the comedy in it was really good, too. Right? Yeah. Like, it was, I don't know. It was just like, it was a fun ride. It was a fun ride. Yeah. I enjoyed the Suicide Squad quite a bit. I started listening to the audiobook of Dune, which I did not think I was going to like. But I'm liking it a lot okay. in anticipation of the. Have of the you watched new movie the old movie out. yet? I did watch the old movie and it is bonkers. I don't even know. It's just so zany okay. and over the top and crazy. And so it made me think I wouldn't like the book, but I'm actually kind of into the book right now. Gotcha. Okay. I never watched the old movie. I had an old friend who's like one of the people that actually sort of got me into movies and collecting toys from movies and stuff like this. And he was obsessed with uh, Dune uh, back in the day, but I've never seen the I've never seen the original one. So. Yeah, man. It, well, someone like yourself who listens to a lot of audio content while you're working, the book is a nice long listen. And once it gets going, yeah, it's it has a kind of a like um, Game of Thrones with Jedi thrown in kind of. Uh, a little oh. bit of uh, political intrigue and and um, but it's yeah. it's not quite as hard to follow sometimes as Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, man, okay. I recommend it. I recommend it. Nice, nice. Yeah. Beyond that, um, I've got a I have a group of friends that every Sunday night we do a movie night and we watch what is usually a terrible sci-fi or terrible horror movie, oh, and we awesome. just do it week after week. So we knocked out uh, Slither recently. We watched Barbarella not too long ago, which was terrible and wow. great uh that kind of thing uh escape yeah. from new york which was great yeah. so that that's been fun that's been a good good awesome. way to pass the time that's great yeah i uh th- we um definitely we watched suicide squad the other night that was great we've been working our way through a couple tv shows nothing too exciting um but uh a couple weeks ago last week the week before my parents were up and uh, a couple months ago i bought a uh, projector and a giant screen it's like a I think it's like a 15 foot wide screen that we set up outside and we do outdoor movie nights. So when my parents were up the other week, we, um, we did that. We watched that thing you do, which I think we should do as an episode of this podcast because I think there's some good themes in that. Um, 
Oh, but, that's the um, Beatles movie, right? Or it's like a kind of a homage to the Beatles, or am I thinking well, it's, that wrong? No, it's more of like an homage to like one hit wonders of like the like the late sixties and stuff. Yes, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that I got gotcha. you. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Um, uh, but anyway, that it was just great. My parents were up. I was super busy with work and I was working while they were here. But then one night we were, we just, uh, we grilled and we, uh, we watched a movie outside and man, there's nothing better than that. Um, I hope whenever you come up next, uh, we can, uh, we can do an outdoor movie night when you're up here. Dude, I would like that. Um, I would love that. But, um, the, the, the one thing that I did want to mention from, uh, calling back to our last episode, the princess bride, I don't know if you watched it. I, I messaged you about this a while ago. Um, there's Quibi, that weird, streaming service that was like meant for watching things on phones have you heard of this thing yes okay so it's like vertical uh orientation you know videos which is the dumbest thing in the world but they did over over uh during the pandemic they got all these celebrities together to film themselves at home re-filming every scene from the princess bride and i watched the entire thing it's on youtube you can search for it um it's it sucks watching it in that vertical format i hate it but there dude it is so freaking funny i thought i'd watch like five minutes of it and i watched the entire thing and i no spoilers here but at the like the last like five minutes of that thing there are some good little cameos at the end that are just amazing did you watch the whole thing maybe i didn't finish it okay. i know i watched at least half of it because i because okay, i the same so, thing i was like i'll watch 10 seconds of this to get the gist of it so i can tell you i watched it and then i got really into it i might dude, have fallen asleep scene, though i'm not gonna spoil it because i'm telling you all you should watch this thing and it's so freaking hilarious um but the scene where wesley's in bed and <laughs> and humperdinck comes in do you remember that? Did you watch this part? No, Did I must have fallen. T- I think I fell asleep oh, dude, while I was watching. Oh, dude, it's so good. Dude, the right, cameo right, that they do it, it is freaking amazing. And then the last right, scene with the little boy in his bed, the cameos yeah. that they, the two cameos that they do at the end, dude, it is like, boom, mind blown. Right it is so freaking right good. Um, they did it that really well. That sounds amazing. Well. Um, I really wish it had been in like a normal widescreen format because like the performances in it are just hilarious. Um, so any, anyway, everybody, you should really check out that dumb Quibi uh, remake of The Princess Bride. It was it was really fun. So <laughs> anyway. Right on. I, I'm going to go back and finish watching it because I started it and did not finish it. So I'm glad you pointed it out. Yeah, definitely. At least start before the scene with uh, where, uh, where Wesley's in the bed and, the, and uh, Humperdinck comes in. Because it's, it's right amazing. on, <laughs> right on. Anyway, I uh, put the link to it in the show notes. I I, I got to figure out how to do show notes. I'm still new to this thing. <laughs> oh, okay, no worries. Yeah, all right. No show notes for you, listeners. Sorry, no, I know both I, of I'll, you. I'll, you I'll punished. To, I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> if one oh, of our two God. listeners knows how to do show notes, please send us a message. <laughs> Aren't you been, like good friends with like a big time uh, podcast producer? Like maybe he could help us out. <laughs> I am, but I don't ever bother him about this stuff. That's part of the that's that's part of the like way that I I I end up being around people that have influences. I never ask them for favors around their gotcha. stuff. But I probably maybe no, show notes would not be a terrible abuse of the favor. I'm sure I'll I think can about figure that. it out. It's, I just oh, gotta figure yeah. it out. Anyway, uh <laughs> why don't we get to the episode? Right uh, this week, everybody, we are talking about uh, we've referenced it a million times, but we're talking about the X-Files today, and we're going to talk about the first X-Files movie, uh, Fight the Future. Yeah. Um, 
So this movie came out in 1998, and this is set between seasons five and six. And uh, um, Ryan, question: Is the X Files your favorite TV show? Oh boy, Mike, you you're coming in hot with the heavy questions. I, I right am. Away. I gotta know because I know you're rewatching oh, it right now. I oh my god, I I hadn't even thought about that. I I am rewatching it. It is up there, but there's a couple more. <laughs> this is going to sound so cheesy, but like MacGyver, for whatever reason, oh, is so like uh, near and dear right, to my fair heart. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I'll give you that. Um, but as far, but that's like in a weird, like in a, like a, you know, sort of like a cheesy way. You know what yeah, I mean? X-Files sure. is on a different level. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's definitely up there. I don't know, man. Cause then there's like Firefly, there's Deadwood, which yeah, to me okay, is like yeah, almost, yeah. I hear what you're I mean, saying. Oh, Boy, oh yeah, that's boy. fair. And that's I have I have one. like uh, Battlestar Galactica thing. Exactly. I, I Game of Thrones had I never watched the last season. The last two seasons might have stayed my favorite show. I mean, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Firefly's legit too. That's a good one. I think maybe is it your favorite nineties show? Because I I just it's so nineties. And I should I should clarify by the way to anyone listening, you don't need to watch the show to watch the movie, and you don't need right. to have seen the movie to listen to the episode that we're about to record. Yeah, but, I don't think it matters. But it does it does all. <laughs> all feed into each other and it is like to me like such a time capsule to the 90s oh my god oh my gosh i mean yes of course yeah and, and probably yeah as far as like best 90s movie yeah i i would say probably yeah because i mean garrett and i were so into this when we were like we, i mean we started Same. watching this right when it came out yep. and um we were hooked immediately because garrett was super garrett was the one who got me into like like the paranormal and UFOs yep. and he was all like he had all the books which now we've come to learn were all like BS you know books but back then yeah. Oh, yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. internet and we thought it was all real like Bigfoot and yep. uh, UFOs and ghosts and we read oh, everything dude. man so we were so into when it I was a little then. kid when I was a little little kid my favorite thing to do was to have my parents take me to the public library and bring home Bigfoot books yeah. right and then the UFO books were there but just a little bit too scary um, uh, okay. and then for yeah. me, it was the, it was the haunted video store, which I've already talked about when I yep. was sweet on the, on the, the lovely, uh, eventually girlfriend, uh, of mine who worked <laughs> at the haunted video store, she would pop in X-Files VHS all the time. Cause it was one of her favorite shows. And so yeah. I watched a couple episodes with her and then forgot about it, but I thought it was cool. And it wasn't until a friend made me sit down and watch the movie that I then went back and rewatched the entire show. Uh, oh, okay. or, or, or jumped in. I think that, I think it was probably when season seven was on the air. Oh, um, wow. and then I started going back and actually buying the seasons so I could yeah. rewatch mm -hmm. them from the beginning. Yeah. I think I have, I think at X least Files a season seasons. one was the first. Oh yeah. It was the first time they released a full season on DVD. So it was like some, and then people were going crazy. So I think I watched the movie and then one and seven together. Uh, and then <laughs> kind of, you know, two through six to catch up with season eight but my god yeah. i love this show so much well well the funny thing about this uh viewing is i was too cheap to spend the four dollars to rent it on amazon and i was like i have this movie somewhere so i found it on my dvd in my dvd collection which i haven't thrown away <laughs> and the funny thing is so i was watching it on dvd through a playstation on a 4k tv and something about the conversions or whatever 
it couldn't expand it to the full size. So I was watching it on this little itty bitty screen in the middle of a giant 4K TV. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this little, and it was all pixelated and crappy, but it was, I didn't want to spend the four bucks to rent the movie. So, <laughs> well, thank you for saying that because I was feeling guilty because I spent six bucks to rent the movie and I, and I was like, I could just literally just walk out to the garage and find my DVD player, my DVDs. <laughs> I own the entire show on DVD and all yeah. week I've been like, should I, should I resubscribe to Hulu? so i can watch it <laughs> well it's funny because they have the tv show on hulu which i'm re-watching but they do not have the movie on hulu so you, the only place that is good to know on, i did not know that amazon yeah um, yeah I, it, basically the x-files and cowboy bebop have been luring me back to hulu but we'll have to see superfluous conversation though i apologize you were about to tell us <laughs> about the movie itself okay so this movie falls in between seasons five and six i thought it was fine i didn't think it was like amazing like it just kind of felt like a mediocre uh long episode of the x-files right i mean it establishes a lot of the lore like it sort of gets us where we need to be as far as the the overarching story of the x-files that they were trying to tell so it was i would say necessary but if you were not an x-files fan i'm not so sure this was a great movie to watch what do you think uh you know i I so so for me I saw th- like three episodes of the X-Files. I saw Home, which is universally lauded as the yep. scariest episode of all time. Fox Amazing. let them show it once and then banned it. It's great. Yep. You should go and watch it immediately if you're listening to this episode. Uh, and then I saw two or three other episodes, and I got the gist of it was like attractive man and woman who are FBI agents chase UFOs. <laughs> but I didn't, yeah. I, you know, and they had a cameo on The Simpsons. That's what I knew. So a friend showed me this movie, and I will say seeing it more or less blind actually hooked me on the concept and i think that's what makes it feel like a mediocre episode is they softened by the time season five and six rolled around there was some hardcore mythology like they had they had taken it in some weird directions there was a lot of story and then this they kind of like backed off on some of the weirder parts and took it back it feels more like a first or second season episode where it's kind of like conspiracy ufos aliens but you don't know a lot about it um there's none of this bullshit about an alien civil war in space or any of any of the stuff that they hinted at later on and so for me again it was really a lot of fun and it got me to go back and sit down but watching season one after watching the movie i definitely thought the show was even better than the movie so i so all that to say i do think it kind of works as an entry point and it might Mm. even be even if you've never seen it it might be a great way to literally jump into the show in the middle and then go back and watch the first five seasons as a prequel and let it bring you up to speed. I don't think that hurts in any way, shape, or form. Interesting. Um, but it's but yeah, but once you've seen it a few times, I'll 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 agree with you. It feels more to me like either a really good episode of the first or second season or a decent episode of the later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I think it does what it's it, what it sets out to do in the mythology of the series. Um, I read somewhere that that Chris Carter originally he wanted to hold on. Let me pull up my notes here. He wanted the season, the series to end after the fifth season. And so okay. his plan is as a TV show. And then his plan was to do movies after that. But then Fox was like, no, this is too much of a cash cow. Like we like you got to keep it going. Yeah. So um but um, but yeah, as far as and, establishing yes, and the you can tell, yeah, you can yeah, tell because no, totally. the story starts to meander a little bit after the fifth season. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And totally. And and I mean, so this <clears throat> just to do a quick recap, I mean, if you want to jump in here because I'm just going to do like the most basic recap possible, but the movie starts off yeah. where there um it starts off where it's like uh it's a, they're in a pre- prehistoric setting and there's like a Neanderthal and he's in a cave and basically he finds an alien, the alien and him fights. So they establish that on Earth in ancient, ancient times, aliens were on the earth, right? Fast forward to modern times, and a kid falls in a cave, like him and his friends are out exploring. He falls into a cave. Turns out the, the alien's down there, right? And they, I guess, does he kill the kid? I forget. Does he kill the kid right there? It, no, no. The, there's no living alien down there. The, he gets infected with the black oh, that's goo, right. which then that's right. goes into your body. And gestates an alien organism that bursts out of you, killing you in the process. That's right. That's what happens. Um, and then, then it then it goes forward a little bit more. And Fox and Scully are at a uh, building trying to find a bomb. And um, basically, the, the the bomb the bomb was in a building that 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 the the FBI wasn't looking in. They they find the bomb, and it turns out that the reason that this building was being blown up was because the kid's body right and was it a firefighter and a couple or firemen fire- who went in to rescue him it was like four right. of them and they all got infected with the same alien stuff alien right. goo and they were in this building and basically they were blowing up this building i guess to destroy the evidence and make it a it's a cover-up it's a conspiracy right which is what the x-files is sort of all about it's all about conspiracy from the you know from the start of the show through to the end it's all about conspiracy which is super hot right now but i would say super hot in a less fun way nowadays yeah Yeah. um yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that but 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 anyway then uh the, the the sort of gist of the rest of the movie is Mulder and scully trying to track down uh, there's this uh, cabal of uh, what are they called? Do you mean, what's the name of those guys? Of the, the syndicate. The syndicate. So there's this cabal of like super high high level guys that have this super secret like government organization, and they're basically trying to engineer a um, like a vaccine sort of to create alien human hybrids that will that will supposedly allow the human race to uh combat this coming alien invasion am i correct in that yeah so let me jump in here so the so the big claim to fame about the x-files movie is that they were going to finally reveal what the conspiracy is that the show had been giving you pieces of and hinting at for five seasons right and so the gist of the conspiracy as it's laid out is that and i'm going to maybe give you a little bit more details but sometime (laughs) around roswell very powerful people in the U.S. government became aware, one, that aliens exist, and two, right. that aliens are coming to the Earth to colonize the planet. And so what happens is this kind of deep state, super top secret government officials end up kind of going rogue and forming their own syndicate, and they cut a deal with the aliens. And the idea is that they will help the aliens prepare the planet Earth for colonization so they can have a relatively peaceful takeover when they show up. And that's everything from, you know, weakening faith in the government and organized religion to also simultaneously covering up the truth about extraterrestrials so people don't see it coming. And they lay out this whole scheme. And the scheme is that the aliens are going to release a virus and the virus is going to go into the human population 
which is going to cripple the population. Then what will happen is the cabal will use the secret government, which they reveal as FEMA in the movie, which was hysterical because I remember at the time not a lot of people knew what FEMA was. FEMA wasn't getting the kind of play that it gets these days, the Federal Emergency Management Association. FEMA has the power to suspend the Constitution. So they say it was going to happen at a time on a holiday when most people were away from their homes. FEMA would suspend the Constitution and lock everyone down. And what that would do is put humanity in the most vulnerable position possible for the aliens to show up and take over. But the humans had cut a deal that the aliens would give them the secret human, the secret human society, right? The cabal, the syndicate, whatever they're called. <laughs> they would get alien technology, which would allow them to develop alien human hybrids who would be immune from the virus. So what would happen right. is they and their families, these super wealthy elites, would continue to rule the human race on behalf of the aliens. Unbeknownst to the aliens, what the humans have secretly been doing is buying time to develop a virus a vaccination that destroys the alien virus and lets them save themselves and possibly the human race we never quite find out but what they don't realize is the aliens have also been doing a long con on them because the (laughs) virus doesn't just make you sick it causes an alien organism to gestate inside you and murder you in the process and that's what they reveal for the first time is that these hyper violent aliens grow inside you and burst out stolen obviously from the from the uh Sigourney Weaver alien movies and then they eventually turn into the little grays that everyone sees it's a very complicated conspiracy I hope you can follow all that because I'm because in the in the movie they even say flat out that the 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 cabal the, the the syndicate originally thought that that the the virus would just sort of enslave the human race and make them like uh subdued to to be to be ruled by the aliens but then it's that's when they find out that it's actually um Basically, it's not subjugation, it's spontaneous repopulation. (laughs) Great line. (laughs) Oh, my God. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And did you notice that in one of the first scenes in the movie, Mulder is leaning against the wall, pissing on an Independence Day poster? I totally noticed it. And in my trivia research, I read that the reason that's there is because Chris Carter hated Independence Day. And it's like a legit, like... F you. Yeah, I had a feeling it was a pretty, pretty big uh, flip in the middle finger. So uh, Mulder, in typical fashion, there's a guy who shows up who gives Mulder some inside knowledge. He starts to piece together some bits of the conspiracy. Stuff happens. Mulder and Scully go looking for clues. They end up chasing a train to a cornfield to a giant facility that's filled with genetically altered bees. bees. There's bees everywhere and stuff <laughs> happens and they almost kiss and she gets stung by a by an alien bee, which makes her alien sick. And then he has to go rescue her. And there's a UFO. I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I totally sorry just to cut in there. I, I totally forgot that they almost kissed uh, in this. Oh, movie. yeah. Oh, this like, is a big deal. They put it in the trailer. It's been so long since I've seen this movie. And when they almost kissed, I was like, wait a minute. Did they actually kiss? I was like, okay. like legitimately excited. <laughs> so here's the thing. Are you familiar with the term shipping? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where you, you, you get different characters together in like. Yeah, where like uh, the shipping thing is when fandom really wants two characters to get together. So if there's right. a will, they won't they. Some fans ship them, some fans don't. Uh, there was a whole thing in the new Star Wars movie where people were shipping Finn and um, Poe, and they wanted right. them to be this like high profile uh, uh, couple in the Star Wars movies and so on and so forth. That term started 
with the X-Files. Because oh. there was a huge portion of the fan base. They invented the term relationshiping. They wanted Mulder yeah. and Scully to end up in a romantic relationship. And then there was another huge portion of the fan base that was like, absolutely not. They're colleagues. They're friends. They respect each other. It's not sexual at all. And if you mm. are a fan of the X-Files, I have to tell you, the real conspiracy of the show is not about aliens. And it's not about the government. It's about how men and women and humans in general can have healthy relationships in a very complicated world when you don't want to subscribe to gender normative <laughs> relationship stereotypes or typical relationship patterns and somehow pull it off because they yeah. really do like they they did the whole will they won't they for like and, and you know and teased and then a few times there'd be these little teases like there'd be a little nod or there'd be an episode where for some reason uh you know you see Mulder leaving scully's appointment in the morning or apartment in the morning and you're like wait have they been has there been a thing yeah. this whole time and it's all been off screen and then they, yeah. at the very end, they finally revealed there was something going on. But no, this is the biggest tease ever because they almost kiss, but then the alien bee gets her. Well, from what I read, I, and I don't remember this, and I don't know based on where I'm at in the series right now, but there's this one, and there's also, I guess, when Scully is sick um, later, I think. Would, would that be later? When she's got like the cancer or whatever? It comes and the, goes throughout the show. Yeah, they, they almost kiss at that point, but I guess Chris Carter said he didn't want them to kiss because the... At that, in whatever episode it was, the premise would have sort of felt more like Mulder was kissing her because he felt like sorry for her, and he didn't want mm-hmm. that to be the premise of their like ultimate yeah. like getting together. Um, they don't kiss romantically on screen until the end of the eighth episode, or the end of the eighth season. They do. Mm. There's a New Year's Eve episode, maybe in the seventh season. And when the ball drops, yeah. he kisses her. And then he like looks at the camera and was like, Hey, the world didn't end. Cause it was for year 2000. It was the millennium episode. Uh, so it was like this joke of like I'm the world didn't end. Yet. Cause it turned to the yeah. year 2000 and it, Oh, well, I just totally ruined it. You should probably just stop watching. Sorry. I ruined the whole <laughs> See, show. For I, you. Here's the thing. I watched the X-Files probably like every I don't know, four years or so, four or five years or so. So this is probably my fourth viewing. I don't even know. I can't do math. But anyway, but I don't yeah. retain. I'm not this. I'm not a type of person that retains like every single like little tidbit from stuff. I re, I retain like the general idea of what happened, you know. Um, so I don't remember all these little details of of, of what actually happens. I, in I, I don't remember what I did this morning, but randomly, yeah, as totally. you and I talk about this, I'm going to remember more and more details about the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And when they kissed yeah. and when they didn't. And the fact that the episode where they kiss is also an episode they used to button up the TV show Millennium because that show got canceled. So they did an X-Files episode to conclude the story. Man, it's just so much useless wow. knowledge. But the movie, yeah, yeah, the movie, we're saying a strong, not bad, but a not bad yeah. entry point into a great show. Okay. Totally. The show is, I mean, in my opinion, you're right. Like as far as 90 shows go, probably one of the best um it to me i think you know one of the things the 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 x-files does really well is it does have this overarching um big sort of plot line which is the alien conspiracy right like that's sort of the, the the through line of the entire series but what they do so well is they do the uh they called them the the monster of the week episodes so every yep. the, you know every couple episodes they would do you know they would do um different little the monster vignettes yeah. yeah the fluke man is a great great um, yep. example of that um and it was so good because like you could just sort of like on especially on those episodes like casually 
watch it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, you didn't yeah. need to know the, the, the lore or the mythology of the show to like get into some of those episodes, which I think was really smart on their part. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, I will say this, um, I'm going to get ahead of ourselves here, but when I watched it this time at 44 years old, being a fan of this show for two decades plus, probably been a fan for, for 25 years, as long as it's been around. I realized for the first time that the reason I like this show is not the reason I thought I liked this show. Like, I like <laughs> the humor a lot. I like Mulder and Scully. I like the, the conspiracy stuff. I like the whole idea that what you don't see is scarier than what you do. Mm-hmm. And I watched it this time and I was like, oh my God, the reason I like this show is because it's completely about going your own way and not buying the mm. script that society gives you. And I was mm. like, holy shit, that's what I love about this show. Like the, the yeah. X-Files, I, I said this to you earlier, it, like it reveals to me the value of what Alan Watts calls living your own weird, right? Okay. And kind of the untrustworthy nature of the narratives that we're taught from the time we're very young, whether it's what the government tells you or religion tells you or what people tell you about how men and women have to be like, you know, mm. being willing to challenge what you've been told is true. Yeah. Uh, the importance of staying curious knowing how much we don't know uh probably above all like the value of finding humor in the midst of that because it's a very funny show making fun of the things you're afraid of and then like how to how to find or make love in a crazy world man it's uh i dig it i dig it oh totally um and before we jump into that though we should at least pause to note i will say this when i watched the movie i was surprised how many conspiracy elements have not gone away like it's just mm. basically every conspiracy theory that exists in a blender, but there were I, there were a bunch of things like you said it's it's less funny than it used to be. Yeah. Um but one like conspiracy theories still popular, right? Yep. Like it's huge right now. Um what can you trust, what can't you trust? Damn near everyone I know believes in a different conspiracy theory, but they're all convinced that someone somewhere is lying to them and covering something up. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Um People have no, lost faith in the government. I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, no, it's it's very uh, it's interesting because I think about so so here's the thing conspiracy it's not conspiracy theory in general is not a new thing like you're saying you know um, yeah and I remember I can remember when we back when we were kids reading the ghost books and reading the UFO books and reading yeah. the, 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 the Bigfoot books, you know what I mean? There were it was conspiracy theory yep. that that somebody was covering this up. What was the um, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank. What was the story about the the uh, military ship that dis- the Philadelphia experiment? Do you have you yeah. ever heard of that one? You know that one? And dude, that yeah, thing, well, I know of kids, it because yeah. as kids we loved that story. That story was like one of the yeah. best, and that is conspiracy theory to the top. But it was fun conspiracy theory. There was yeah. no real stakes involved. You know what I mean? Because because I I feel like now now we were kids, so so maybe who knows what we were actually thinking. But I feel like in the back of our heads, we kind of knew like this is a fantastic story. You know what I mean? Like it didn't actually yeah. have stakes. Whereas now we 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 we're, we live in a world where conspiracy theory has become very high stakes and and That's the like thing. legitimately affecting real world. Uh, like affecting well, my life, affecting yeah. your life, affecting the way we treat a virus, the way we treat politics, like all this Absolutely. stuff. It's way less uh, fun than it used to be. And that's the thing of, so they did an X-File um, 
X-Files revival a couple of years ago and they did two short seasons and they were good. The thing that was weird for me is when I watched the X-Files when I was younger, I lived for the mythology episodes. I love the alien cover up stuff. And this time yeah. around, those episodes I thought were the least interesting. And I think mm. it's because what, what you've just said, I think the, the currency of conspiracy has shifted. You and I watched that one episode about the Mandela effect. That was genius. Um, where they're talking about the manipulation of memory. But, you know, I think the proof in this is the reality. And this is one more thing that that we'll put on the conspiracy bulletin board that the movie pinned on there that's still there is UFO conspiracy still in the news. The UF government, the U.S. government just admitted that it has been lying Mm -hmm. about compiling data on UFOs for decades and has said, yeah, they exist. We don't know what they are, but they're real. But what's amazing to me is they publicly admitted this they released right. a huge report and no one cares. It made yeah. very little ripples in ordinary people's lives. I have like two or three friends who were like, can you believe this shit? And no one else cares. Yeah. Most people don't even know. There were stories about it. We've mentioned this before. There were stories about it in the LA times, and the New York times and the post. No one cares because yeah. it's just not relevant when there's so many other things to be scared of right now. And the funny thing about that is, I think I, I could be wrong about this, but there, uh, we have a lot to owe to uh, um, Tom DeLong of Blink One Eighty Two because he found some sort of like UFO um, research group now, apparently, and he was one of the driving forces to getting those three videos released, like the you know those those um, the Fleur videos or whatever um and i think that was what like three years ago two years ago something like that um and ever since then i think that's what sort of has driven this uh drive to sort of like admit that like yo we don't know what's going on you know (laughs) like we there's something out there we don't know what it is and we've talked about this before and i honestly hope that it's aliens and not you know the chinese government or something like that (laughs) i agree yeah or elon musk and friends flying around yeah i agree i agree good god millionaires in space well and there's so many things they put on the bulletin board even the bees right even having bees as a thing is something because like it's not about alien bees but but there's a there's a thing about bees bees are disappearing there's like a massive Mm -hmm. bee die-off honeybees are slowly disappearing from the ecosystem i've heard some people say there are no non-domestic honeybees anymore i don't actually know if that's true or not but i know there's a lot less of them and there's been conspiracies everything from global warming to cell phone towers are killing off honeybees but even that it's just it's a resonance the fact that they put it in the movie um and then of course obviously the idea that there's the main conspiracy is the pandemic a mass Mm. infection of a virus that is going to cause fema to suspend the constitution and lock down the country. It is, it just lands a little bit differently than it did, you know, decades ago when it came out. And this idea that the only thing that can save us is a weak vaccine. (laughs) Totally. And it's, and it's interesting. And I wonder, and this is something I haven't thought a lot about, but I'm just going to throw it out there. We'll see where this goes is I wonder, is it because of shows like this and, and stuff like that, that, that we are at this point where, where conspiracy is all consuming. Have we just fallen in love with the idea of conspiracy? Um, because it does, again, it feels way more, um, way more immediate nowadays than conspiracy used to feel growing up, you know? And I wonder why that is. Like, what, what, how did we get to this place where conspiracy theories, in my opinion, you know, there's a lot floating around there that are dictating people's lives 
in a very uh, negative way that is driving us in, into particular directions that are not great. And, and I wonder how we got here. Do you know what I mean? It's an, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I think of two things that come to mind that, that don't necessarily complement each other. Uh, one is that we got here by design. So uh, in the last episode of Learning How to See, one of the things Brian McLaren talks about is um, – plug for another podcast – is yeah. he said – you know, he studied a lot. Um, he's very fascinated by totalitarian societies. And mm-hmm. he says one of the things that happens in a totalitarian society is the propaganda gets so ridiculous – that people become 100% that they're being lied to all the time. And then they yeah. just kind of stop trying to spot the truth and they get yeah. more interested in just trying to spot the lie and laugh about how clever it is. And I remember when I was in Cuba, mm. my friends were all like that, like something crazy would happen. Somebody's television wouldn't be working one day and you're like, Oh, what happened to your signal to your TV? And they would just do this thing. They would stroke their hand across their chin. Like they were stroking a beard wow. and that was everybody's shorthand for Castro. That's how you meant Castro, wow. but you didn't say it out loud. Cause the idea was you can't say it out loud cause the government's always listening. And so wow. you're like, who ate the last sandwich? And then you just stroke your chin. Like Castro came in and ate the last oh. sandwich. Oh my God. But there was this idea that you just stop trying mm. to figure out what's true because none of it is true. And actually, when you take away the belief that anything can be true, people sort of give up and sit back and yeah. go with it. So it might be that. Or it might be a very organic democratic thing where we're just so overloaded with conflicting information. We're so completely overloaded with conflicting information that one, you never really know what to believe. And two, you can probably find an expert somewhere. And we talked about this last time. Uh, We talked about this in the War of the Worlds episode. You can find an expert somewhere who will tell you anything you want to believe. And I think, I think, you know, I was talking to a buddy recently. I think we are just, we are still, it doesn't feel it for us, but I feel like we're still in the infancy of the internet and we don't quite understand how it works. We are, we are not prepared for, yeah. for the amount of information that is out there and how to disseminate information yeah. and how to weed through what it, we talked about this before, but how to weed through what, what is, yeah. um, you know, tested and studied and true. And, um, and, yeah. you know, again, people can get duped. I, I heard, um, Sam Harris had an episode of his podcast the other day that was trying to talk about, uh, vaccine hesitancy. And he was talking about at yeah. one point, and it's a good episode. If, I mean, not that, I don't think we're ever going to, I don't think I can convince anybody to get a vaccine that, that is hesitant right now, but I don't know. Yeah. It's a good episode. Check out Sam Harris's podcast. But anyway, there, there was one point in the podcast where he was talking about this idea that how we've, um, you know, it has to do with conspiracy, but how we've sort of got to the point where we, we doubt everything. Right. And we are, we are exactly, doubting yeah. institutions and we are doubting like literally the foundations of our society. And what he was, he, he, he made an analogy in comparison to the idea of, um, being on a plane, right? And there's something wrong with the plane. Mm-hmm. And we can either, Try to fix the plane while it's flying, and the plane would be institutions. It would be the CDC. It would be the you know the United States government. It would be all these institutions that people are wrapped up in crazy conspiracy theories about. You know, and we can either try to fix those, knowing that yo, there's a problem here. And yes, they're not perfect. You know, news stations, right? They're, they're, they're yes, the, the news is not perfect, right? Um, we can either fix the plane while it's flying, or we can just crash it into the ground and it feels like right now what's happening is there's a tendency to crash the plane into the ground rather than saying like yo there's problems of course a hundred percent like we talked about this a couple episodes about the idea of dissent like dissent is good right but dissent just for the sake of being a contrarian you're crashing the plane 
You know what I mean? We have to get the plan. We, yeah. we, we need, we, you know, we, uh, it, I, I believe that we do need the CDC, that we do need a government, that we do need media organizations to help us and, and, and organize, or, organize us as a society. But we also need to call those things out where they are failing. But to, to, to crash the yeah. entire plane is uh, problematic. And it's it's and it's scary and it's terrifying. You know, the the crashing the plane thing is um, is terrifying. Speaking of crashing the plane, the X Files uh, ran for nine seasons. This ninth mm. season is unwatchable. It spanned two spinoffs: one called uh, Millennium and one called The Lone Gunman. The Lone mm. Gunman's pilot was an episode where the Lone Gunman. Have you seen it? The Lone Gunman tried no. to stop a terrorist attack where someone hijacks. No. The controls of an airplane to fly it into the World Trade Center as a terrorist attack. No. I shit you not. I shit what? you not. I'm I'm serious. Oh and they stop God. it, but that was the plan was flying a commercial airliner into Be- the World Trade this Center. This was before 9/11? Hell yes. They they never would have put that on the air uh after I, I, 9/11. I was say, Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it and I think it came out close actually I'll tell you. Um it's creepy, man. Uh, it just and it's kind of disappeared because the show wasn't actually that good. But yeah, I remember, yeah. like, talk about being two step. Yeah, you well, put up Lone Gun and Nine Eleven comes right up. I read something else that even with this movie, when it was scheduled to be released, like on TV, uh, it was originally supposed to make its U.S. network TV premiere on September fifteenth, two thousand one. But because of the bombing in the movie, they pushed it back. Yeah. Because that, that even yeah. that hit a little too close. Yeah, to home. exactly. And and the lone gunman pilot aired in March of two thousand one, um, wow. six months before the actual attack. So there. So this is the funny Ooh. thing about about the X Files, and, and there's other things we could say. Like there's the monster of the week stuff, but some other stuff hits really really close to home. Yeah. And it it's you know it's such a it's such a it's the paradox of conspiracy theory. Right. It's that old saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you is <laughs> yeah. on the one hand, it can leave you living in a fantasy world or leave you living, never trusting anyone, leave you throwing your hands up in the air and saying, eat, drink right. and be merry because tomorrow we die. On the other right. hand, I think there's a real value into not trusting um, all the narratives that were handed. And this is right. what I was saying for me. I, I love the X-Files. Because at the end of the day, for me, the show is about living your own damn life when society mm-hmm. tells you to live the life that society wants you to live. And I never thought about this. I really got hooked on the X-Files in the early 2000s. Um, I had just settled into a job that I really wanted. I had I had just married my college sweetheart. I was uh, you know, working as a minister at the time. And I basically thought I had everything I ever wanted out of life. And I did not yet realize that what I had was everything I was told I should ever want out, out of life. <laughs> and I didn't really want any of it. None of it was a fit for me. Um, and I started watching the X-Files and I got obsessed with the show to the point that I started having crazy dreams. I had started having dreams about UFO abductions and I did mm. a bunch of research on all of that. And, and for years I was like, what is, what is my fascination with this show? Why do I have these crazy dreams? And looking back now, 25 years later, I'm like, I know I love that show because the show <laughs> is about going against the grain, you know, yeah. and doing your own thing. Like the, the, the great path of life for most of us, the whole reason Carl Jung invented the concept of the midlife crisis is because most of us spend the first part of our life living the life we're supposed to live. 
And then the mm. second half of our life, deconstructing that and trying to figure out who we actually are. Yeah. Um, and this is what I love. I mean, we talk about Mulder and Scully as characters. They both kind of live their own weird. I love this. Check this out. This is a quote from Alan Watts. He starts his autobiography this way. It's one of my favorite things. Alan Watts says, I've always done things in my own way, which is at once the way that comes naturally to me. That is honest, sincere, genuine, and unforced, but also perverse. Although you must remember that this word means per or through and verse or poetry out of the way and wayward, which is surely towards the way. And that to be queer, to follow your own weird is wholeheartedly to accept your karma or fate or destiny and thus to be odd in the service of God. And I love this idea of embracing your fate and living your own weird and going your own way. And I know for me, um, again, you know, we'll talk about Mulder and Scully in a minute, but they're two characters who both consistently go against the narrative that's handed to them Mm. and what culture and society tells them they're supposed to be. They question things and they go in a different direction, even to constructing a relationship that goes against all the norms that they're told that they should have. And I dig it, man. Yeah. It's one of the things I appreciate about the show. It's one of the things I appreciate about you and our friendship is, is I've always valued you as someone I know who has kind of walked your own path in life despite the norms that you're typically handed. Yeah, I mean, likewise, man. I mean, I think we both have, especially, I would say, especially since we worked together at the church, right? Um, yeah, you and I sure. have both made uh, decisions in our lives in the service of living our own weird. You know what I mean? And we, we've taken yeah. risks and we've gone in directions that that are, uh, by uh, societal norms, risky. You know what I mean? Um, or yeah. whatever. And but, but I know, I'm sure you can speak to this. I mean, you, in my opinion, when I look at you, what you're doing and who you're working for and, and, and the situation you're in, that feels right to me like when i look at what you're doing yeah now, like that feels like you're living into the thing that like maybe we were trying to get to sort of when we worked at the church together right like i feel like you're yeah. living into something yeah. that that fits your skin really well you know what i mean and i think also yeah, I likewise for me I've sort of lived into the skin that fits me well, you know? I mean, I was, I was lucky that even before I worked at the church, I got to do touring and stuff with my band. Um, but there was, you know, but there was that little, uh, nudge in me that like, oh, you gotta, gotta get a nine to five. You gotta work a job. You know, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. Um, and I mean, it's no secret that at this point I've sort of flushed all that down the toilet and I just do whatever the hell I want to do. Sure, but, absolutely. Um, but yeah, absolutely. no, it's a beautiful thing. And I think we both, I, I, I know for me personally, I surround myself with people that, that think that way as well. You know what I mean? Because it encourages yeah, you same. to seek out people that are after something bigger than what society tells us we're supposed to be after. You know, and that's the most absolutely. Important thing to me. And it's it's hard, man, because there are scripts. It's not just like the the scripts about you know do aliens exist or not. There are scripts that were given from the time we're very young um, about what it means to have a meaningful life, about what it means to love someone, about what it means to have a successful career, about how you're supposed to do things, about where you're supposed to be at a given age. And I loved that. I remember you telling me at one point, you're like, yeah, you know, I, everybody else I knew was settling down and I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tour with a band for a while. Uh, and then how long did you tour for two years? It was about, yeah, two years of, of actual touring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And that thing of going like, no, this is my like life education. This is the foundation I want for my career. And like, how brilliant is that to like travel around to meet people in all different parts of the country to have those conversations that we joke about where you realize, you know, everywhere you go, you say to someone, what is there cool to do around here? And they say nothing. But but yeah. what that gives you, that lens that gives you into human nature and, and what you pick up on the inside of that, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I, we were just uh, my friend uh, Tom and Lucy. We were we were at my buddy's. Uh, Tom's house the other night we were hanging out and we were grilling and we we uh, my buddy uh, Tom just got a hot tub so we were sitting in the hot tub listening to music and we were yep. we were sort of like remembering the old times and 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 the thing that we talk about a lot and we talked about at great depth the other night was the uh, the gift that we all got by sort of being um, introduced to music at a young age and specifically yeah. for us being introduced into the world of punk rock and the underground music scene yeah. because every single one of those people in that scene is living their weird. You know what I mean? They are doing things yeah. on their own terms. They are, you know, that's one of the reasons that I think to this day that I have a, a very good uh, entrepreneurial spirit is because I learned in yep. punk rock you had to do it all yourself. You didn't have a record label. You didn't have somebody financing you. You didn't have all this stuff. So it drove you to work harder and do things yourself, learn how to, like we learned how to screen print. We learned how to press our own CDs. We learned all these things. And um, growing up in that world, I am forever grateful for that because it taught me so many great lessons about just living into the life that feels right. You know what I mean? Um, and it's such yeah. a beautiful thing yep. when you, you're able to do that. And I, I appreciate that so much because I think for me, I had an almost violent dichotomy between living the life that people around me and my parents and the organized religion that I was a par part of told me that I needed to live, which was mm. to say like, you're so talented, you have this, you that, you're a teacher, you should be a pastor. And then the other part of me, which was like the part of me when I was alone, uh, that was just fascinated and curious about everything. Yeah. And it wanted to ask yeah. a lot of questions and was, and still is deeply fascinated by spirituality, but also mm -hmm. deeply curious and deeply mistrusting. And, 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 right. you know, the things that would make <laughs> me say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that we're actually kind of teaching people to have genuine, meaningful spiritual experiences. I think we're trying to figure out how to get people to give money to keep the institution going. <laughs> and I don't love that. I don't love how political right. it is. And yeah. so I want to kind of go my own way and I want to study the commonalities in different world religions. And I'm going to roll the dice on the world's most impractical series of degrees <laughs> in, in religion, <laughs> mythology and psychology and see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but to question and to be willing to go there, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you something that, that I cannot make sense of, but, um, Carl Jung, as he was coming to the end of his life, there was a mass phenomena of people spotting UFOs all over the place. Uh, I think it was like in the fifties was, there was a big boom of people spotting UFOs. If you go back and you read the original Mothman prophecies books and stuff like that, it was, it was happening everywhere. And so people were freaking out and they were trying to figure out what was going on. And he had a psychological interpretation for it. He thought it was psychic phenomena that people were seeing things, uh, visions that meant something. And we don't have time to get into mm. all of that. Mm. But um, the idea of uh, something happening at night where there's a UFO shows up and it, it's chasing you and it wants to abduct you. Um, you experience this as this terrifying outside force that's coming after you that's completely mm -hmm. unknown mythologically it's not radically different from like the, the the mythological story of the monster that surfaces out of the ocean comes out of the great unknown to swallow the hero 
But mm-hmm. Jung was convinced that UFOs, what that thing that is chasing you that you're terrified of, that you feel like is two steps behind you and threatens to pull you out of your ordinary, happy, healthy life, Jung says is secretly your true self. And you're wow. so estranged from it that you experience it as an invading alien outside force. Oof. When in reality, it's your own authenticity trying Oof. to run you down. And pull you out of the life that you built that's not a fit for you. And so that shit, man, I look back now and it's so funny to me how how truly that lands for me. Of course, yeah, man, Mulder and Scully fighting the power and questioning things. Every one of us who's like deconstructed an organized religion or a political belief or any Mm -hmm. other script can relate to that. But also how perfectly the characters are written that they are they are fighting the power in their own way to just kind of be who they are. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's wow. That that young thing is amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. Um, But yeah, totally. They are. Yeah. I mean, if you watch, I think, you know, to me, a like. I don't know if we want to pivot here, but the the thing about the X-Files that's always great to, that I've always appreciated is the fact that they don't necessarily fit into the gender norms that we, that we assume, you know what I mean? And, and Scully Not is even slightly Scully is like the best. <laughs> like she is just, Oh, she's the best. The best. She's the best. And she is a badass uh-huh. and she is smart as hell. And she just kicks ass yep. left and right. And what I love about her yep. is she's she. I mean, obviously, I have a brain that I I I am attracted to the scientific. I like the idea of the Absolutely. scientific method. I like stuff like that. So as a man, like it's it, like I've always been attracted to that idea that she portrays in that yep. um, in, in her character is this super smart person who is only concerned by science. You know what I mean? But she also has these. Uh, fantastical experiences yep. with Mulder, you know what I mean? That that um and not to mention the fact that she grew up with religion, which yep. is another great idea yep. of of uh another great character uh thing that they put in for for Scully. So she sort of uh flows in and out of these like uh, this ability to have a little bit of mystical thinking. Uh-huh. But but she's always rooted in that that firm foundation of science. It's um, it's absolutely fantastic. She's the best character. She's so yes. great. I've read um, people have written articles about what a powerful character, uh, what a powerful statement of female empowerment she was, and totally. read about like little girls who grew up watching her on TV and realized that that they themselves could go and be. She Scully is a medical doctor, right? Who's a genius. Mm-hmm who graduates from medical school and then decides to go to the FBI because she just wants to, right? Right. So she defies any script that could tell her she can't be anything she wants, becomes a doctor, and then is like, and now I'm going to go to Quantico and teach for the FBI. So I love that. Um, Chris Carter said when he created the show that he wanted to have two leads that were counter-gender normative expectations. So he wanted the woman to be the rational, logical um, <laughs> together grounded one. And again, yep. I'm talking about gender normative expectations, not reality. And he wanted right. the man to be the hyper intuitive, more kind of emotional, uh, yep. free associative free agent. And it yep. works so well because they both step in and out of it. And, and then it, and it creates dynamite chemistry between the two of them. Cause another thing Chris Carter said that I think is so true is he said, there's nothing in the world sexier than putting a smart man in a room with a smart woman and letting them talk. And I'm yep. like, that is, that has been, that is very true. 
Um, so totally if, if because, we uh, go. No, I was just going to say totally because, you know, uh, Mulder and Scully in their own right are very smart. I didn't even realize this is a, a little aside that I wanted to mention in the movie. Sorry, 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 sorry. In the pilot. I just want to mention the yes. pilot here real quick. I never picked up on this until this time when I watched it. In the beginning, when 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 they bring Scully in to talk about her joining the X-Files to, to sort of oversee Mulder and see what he's doing, they ask her, have yep. you heard of Mulder, right? And she says, yes, he's an Oxford-educated Oxford psychologist. Yep. I never knew he was a psychologist. Does that yes, carry through the rest of the series? That's his thing. It comes up here and there because he originally made his name doing prof- psychological profiles of serial killers and his oh. a psychological write-up that he did let them catch someone because he had such keen insight into it. But it's like it's like Scully being a, a medical doctor. You you find out a lot more about her medicine stuff because Mulder's always kind of out. Once in a while, he gets called in to consult on a serial killer case throughout the okay. show because that's his area of expertise. And that's what right. made him so successful that he was then able to lean into the X-Files. And if you haven't seen the show or and again, it's amazing if you watch the pilot, how much of the show is already there in the pilot. Um, yeah. Scully is assigned to be his partner and he's already working on the X-Files and she's supposed to write reports from a scientific perspective, essentially to debunk the work that he's doing. Right. And, uh, and from day one, the chemistry between the two of them and the conversations they have are amazing. <laughs> it's great though. Two things My favorite that part of the show what... is them bantering. Well, the, the, the two things that I noticed on, when I rewatched the, the, the pilot was number one, when she f- is first introduced, she seemed, and I don't know if this was on purpose or if she was still finding the character, um, but she seems a little bit more timid and a little bit yep. more like girlish at first. You know what I mean? Young girlish at yep. first. Like she's a little bit more not sure of herself maybe. And I don't know if that was, yep. if they did that on purpose or if, or if she was working into the character there. And the other thing I noticed was Mulder was a dick. In the in the pilot oh, off the bat, when he when he yeah. meets Scully, he's just a dick to her. He's just an asshole. Have you? <laughs> hey, so you watched through season five already? Yes. Did you watch the episode Bad Blood? Which one is this? So there's an episode called Bad Blood. It's vampires, but basically what happens is something is happens, the and half of the episode, yes, it's them each telling their version of the story, and they're different. Yes. And in each version of the story, they make fun of the other one. And she right. like heightens what a dick Mulder is. <laughs> and yes. he, he heightens like how whiny she is. It's basically the yes. gist of it. It's, I might have to watch that episode tonight. It's pretty great. Yeah. Well, if we, if we think about, so like, okay, so Mulder's a psychological profiler. Let's, let's psychologically profile them one at a time. So you look <laughs> at, you look at Scully. This is Scully is, um, even if we're going to stick with gender normative, like medians okay Mm -hmm. scully is pretty much the woman of the future she is trying to balance a career Mm -hmm. in which she has mastered the traditionally masculine role right right Mm -hmm. um and simultaneously the narrative she was handed as a liberated woman of the the then 20th century okay so she's a medical doctor she's working for the fbi she's at the height of her career Mm -hmm. um 
She also has like a very disciplined desire to live her own weird because she is willing to buck the system and right. speak her truth. She's not intimidated by Mulder and she's not intimidated by the FBI. She does her thing and yeah. she does find her own unique blend of religion and mm-hmm. spirituality. And, and she believes as much as she's willing to in this stuff. Right. Um, she's also throughout the course of the show makes space for Mulder in her life but he's the one who 100% is a bit of a mess. Like he's a real yeah. mess. We'll get to him in a second. Oh, yeah. He's a yeah. train wreck, right? Mm-hmm. While she simultaneously deals with the tragic losses of her mom and sister mm-hmm. throughout the show, she has to deal with cancer yep. and infertility. And one mm-hmm. of the running themes is that she actually wants to have a child while right. also simultaneously having mastered the, the kind of world of career and education. She yep. also wants to be a mom and has to work yep. that shit out. And then also yep. has to work it out with, um, with her own health problems. And then the last part is like, she's constantly working against the conspiracy of patriarchy. That's hidden in plain sight. Patriarchy's fucking everywhere. And the conspiracy is that we act like it's not. And I apologize. You're going right. to have to cut that line out. <laughs> patriarchy is everywhere and we act like it's not and that's the conspiracy but the bullshit is that the patriarchy is also who signs her paycheck and attempts to get all her efforts to debunk them to get wound back around in the service of their agenda to keep the bullshit master narrative going like she's an amazing character i just because she's phenomenal I mean, uh, totally because they just want her to be a yes man. They want her to, to just a hundred percent debunk Mulder, but she's not willing to do that because science is really all that matters. And so when, when the science is sort of on Mulder's side, she's going to go that way. You know what I mean? Cause she's absolutely living her own life and she's not going to, she's not going to be a yes man. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's so inspirational. She's amazing. Absolutely. She goes for truth and she goes for her truth. It's pretty great. She's a great character. Jillian Anderson's amazing. I have no idea how it is that she's continually gotten more beautiful, like with every yeah. year that goes by. Um, she's a phenomenal actor. Uh, yeah, she's she's absolutely great and and carries and and, and I love Mulder, but I think like really. Um, I remember one time I was, they were talking about, uh, I was watching something, they were talking about comedy duos and it might've been Abbott and Costello or something. And they said the straight man gets paid more money because comedians are a dime a dozen, but a good straight man who can Mm. hold the line and Mm. not, and not like we would say today, wink at the camera is, is priceless. And Scully's also sort of the straight man for Mulder. Um, she really, really, a lot of the comedy works because he can deliver it to her. Um, right. Yeah, she's rad. Yeah. I'm a big fan. But there are episodes where she, where she, her, like her comedy chops in that subtle way come through. You know what I mean? Like in that episode you yeah. were talking about with the vampires or in uh, Jose Chung's from Outer Space. You know what I mean? Like oh they, there, there are like these quirky episodes where in like a very subtle way, she's really great at playing some comedic moments. Yeah, man, it's, um, she really is. Jose Chung, especially when, when, um, if, if you're listening and you would know, Jose Chung is another perspective episode where they're, they're telling a story after the fact. And so you see them act it out as it's being told, which is clearly not how it really happened. And so the scene where you see it from that other dude's perspective and she grabs him and jacks him up and she's like, we were never here. This never happened. If you tell anyone you're a dead man, she gives that line and she's slapping him in the face. (laughs) So good. 
By the oh way, that episode, uh, if we're talking about top episodes for a new person to watch, that would be my number. I, I would say Home and Jose Chung would be my top two, Ho- in my opinion. I might have to watch Jose Chung tonight. Jose Chung is, is I think, my favorite episode of the series. It's yeah. it's just that good. It's really, really funny, and it plays with the... It, it's a mythology episode and a comedy episode at the same time, and it's really, really well done, and it's amazing performances by the two of them and some really fun cameos um, yeah. from celebrities at the time. Uh, yeah. Really, really well done. Really, really well done. Well, and then you have you have Mulder in Scully's life, and so Mulder really is this. I don't know how this is going to hit with you, Ryan. This this one hits a little too close to home to me. Okay. The psychological <laughs> profile of Fox Mulder. Um, in a way, the X Files is the story of a brilliant man who refuses to buy the narrative of the dominant culture around him. And he searches for a narrative that he can live in instead. So he's looking for his own truth. He refuses to accept the script that's handed to him. But he doesn't want to grow up, right? (laughs) So Mulder is always a man-child. He is uh, one of the running gags in the show that doesn't come out in the movie is that he is addicted to pornography. So that's like, but they play it as a joke. Um, There's a running joke that he lives in an apartment without a bed. Cause you yep, only ever on see him sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Like yep. the dude just doesn't even have a bed. Um, yep. and, 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 you know, in a heavier note, he's trapped in his childhood because of traumatic events. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sister got kidnapped when he was a child and they, they do a very, very good job of writing the fact that he's still absolutely crippled by that trauma. And he lives there all the time. Yep. Um, he's always searching for a positive father figure because of his father wound. So think about this in almost every season of the X-Files, there's an older man who shows up who like gives him some secret yeah. knowledge that he needs. And it happens in the movie in the movie. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. <laughs> in the movie too. He's just going through the world looking for a good dad. Yeah. Um, and then he's trying to love a woman in a complicated situation in which she's both more intelligent, more grounded, more religious, more, more successful, better at life, <laughs> arguably better looking. Than he is. <laughs> and for some and reason better, and, still lets him come be- around. And better with uh, uh, human interactions. <laughs> She's a much more personal person. And way person better with human interactions. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes. Despite the fact that she's the, the, the like scientific rational one, she's yes. so much more human. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely <laughs> he's correct. Oddball. He's spooky molder for a reason. Oh my you God. Know what I mean, he's, he's a weirdo. Absolutely. He's a total weirdo. I love, I love the, like, uh, there was a, there was, <laughs> there was, <laughs> there was, uh, an episode in the, in the, uh, revival. There were like two or three that were really good. And there's one where she calls him and you see him and he's just wearing a giant, uh, I don't, I don't know what they call it, like a ghillie suit or something, but it looks like he's covered in weeds. Yes. So he's totally yes. camouflaged. Yes. And she's like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just squatching. And then he starts going into some like long rambling reflection and she, you realize she's just not even listening to him. He's just talking to himself on the phone. Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) But he's so wounded. He's such a mess. And he's so, he's so crippled by his traumas. And he's so like living that thing of trying to heal himself by, by solving these things. And yet also hysterical and a very endearing character in his own weird way. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. The one thing that about his story that sticks out to me every time is that his wound is the is the thing that has driven his entire life. His mm. seeing his sister now in his mind, 
um, you know, he, he witnessed her be abducted. And so he gets into, uh, you know, all these uh, alien abduction theories and all this stuff. And that is the thing that has driven him, you know, his entire life. Um, yeah. And, you know, in our lives, a lot of times it's not maybe as um, as visible as that. You know what I mean? But we have our own wounds that drive us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, I, you know, like the mystic that's like my, the mystic philosopher who's kind of like my life guide is Origin of Alexandria. And he talks about, you know, he's, he says that our wounds eventually become health bestowing wounds if we stay with them long enough and that our deepest wounds actually become the source of our intellectual and spiritual genius. You know, the way you're wounded is going to shape the good, especially if you live an authentic life. Mm-hmm. It's going to shape the life that you live, but it has to come to a point where it's not the thing that haunts you and drives you. Yes. It's the thing that empowers you to do yes. good work in the world. And I think it's it's really, really hard to make that transition um, because for a lot of us, it is that terrifying unknown thing that's chasing us and we're doing everything we can to run away from it. Right. Um it's hard. It's, I think that's how it starts, right? He, he's this brilliant psychologist who's profiling serial killers, which I'm sure has something to do with the fact that his sister disappeared. And then right. he goes into hypno regression therapy and, right. um, and they uncover these, these memories of her being abducted by aliens. And you, the show for a long time, um, pretty much lets you know that it's real, but the only mm-hmm. time, the only person who ever sees the aliens are Mulder. Like even in the movie, he looks up and he sees the UFO and Scully's passed out and she doesn't see it. So there's always just this little bit of a thing where they're like, is it really happening or is he just seeing what he wants to see? Right. Yeah. Because um, he even says to her at one point, if, she's like passed out. He's like, he's like, Scully, are you seeing this or something like that? Or he says, look at this. It's amazing. Yeah. And she can't because she's like yep. passed out. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think you're right. Like we're all haunted by something, whether we know it or not, we're all driven by something. But Mm -hmm. the, but the question is whether or not at some point that becomes conscious and you can, I don't know. I don't even, I I mean, eventually you befriend it, but I think the first thing is you just at least know why you're doing what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And it's not something that we necessarily uh, choose to happen. But hopefully when it, when we, when we get there, we, the gift that, you know, we've talked about this before, um, but the gift is when you can live into it, like you're saying, live your weird and live your, like live into that and say, this is a thing that, uh, that, that happened and, and the joy that can come from, from using that as a life lesson, you know, and that, that's a great way to, to live a good life in my opinion. I think so. And I think, I think it's like finding the wisdom in the wound. Um, which, which is hard. It's funny. It's funny to talk about this though, because I feel like so many people I know after the last year and a half, you know, the COVID experience with 2020 and 2021 brought, I think so many people I know are reassessing that equation of, am I living the life that I want to live as much as it's within my, my capability to lean into it? Or am I living the life that I was told to live? Right? right? Am I living my own weird or am I living what society and my parents and my yeah. teachers told me I needed to be? 
Um, and I think these crazy moments cause us to go back and take stock and reassess our priorities. It's a hard thing, man, because a lot of us deep down don't even really know what we want. We've spent so long tuning that voice out right. that getting back in touch with it is really painful and really difficult. Totally. And I think also as we get older, for a lot of people, just logistically, it gets harder and harder to live the weird, right? Like as you, yeah. as you age, you know, if you have a family, you have kids, you have a wife, you have a house, you have a mortgage, you have a, you know, it becomes harder and harder to live into that. What might be your natural fit? What might be your natural weird, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I think that's, it's, it's a very, <laughs> I feel very blessed that I am allowed to live, live my weird, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah. And I, and I'm blessed that I have friends around me that get to do that as well, that, that encourage me to continue on that path. You know, it's tough, man, because it's, it sounds like a lot of romantic drivel and trite, um, kind of, uh, sentimentality to say it this way. But one of the things I like about Mulder and it's to a fault is that he's like this hyper intuitive character. So there's that mm-hmm. great scene in the movie where they're, they're driving down the road, chasing these tanker trucks and they come <laughs> to a crossroad and they can go left or they go right. And they're trying to pick one and, and he goes straight and he drives straight into the desert. Yep. And on the one hand, like you're like, okay, that's a little bit too convenient. And it always yeah. is. But yep. at the same time, Speaking as someone who's like lived my own weird and sometimes it's not worked out great and sometimes it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes I've conformed to the, to the story that I was given and it's, that's never worked out great. Um, yeah. There are these moments of just kind of, sometimes you just step through a door and it, and it, it, you're like, is this going to be a disaster? But it feels right and you do it and then it works out even though it shouldn't, right. you know? Right. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the big things with that is, you know, I've had some recent conversations with, I have a, a buddy who's gone through a lot of tragedy over the last few years, you know? Um, and he's at a place right now where he's trying to figure out what the next step is professionally. And he's gone through a lot of grieving and stuff like this. And I'm, uh, you know, and I'm not going to air his, his whole story here, but we've had a lot of talks about how this idea of what's the worst that can happen if you take this next leap. Do you know what I'm saying? The the world's yep. not going to stop spinning. The sky's not going to fall. You take that next leap yep. of, you know, whether it's a new professional endeavor, whether it's going out and doing, a, you know, this new experimental thing you've had in your brain for a long time or whatever it is, you know, what's the absolute worst is going to happen? Probably not. It's not that terrible, you know? And I think that's one of the things that you sort of have to have in your head if you're uh, trying to live into an authentic, you know, uh, weird life is this idea that the worst case scenario still isn't actually all that bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah. you go straight and maybe he didn't find the train at the end of when he went straight, but yeah. would he have been any worse off than he was before? No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah. And I, and I sometimes I feel like it's tough, man. Cause it's, 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 it sometimes you feel guilty talking about like trying to live into your ideal life and be happier when so many people are suffering. But I remember yeah, yeah. I mentioned being in Cuba earlier and I, my friends in Cuba, man, there were all, no one was, no one was in abject, abject poverty, but most people would live, you know, what we would consider poor in our culture. And I remember mm-hmm. feeling guilty about certain things. And I remember one friend saying, no, no, I want you to go do those things because I can't. So will you please go do them and enjoy them for both of us? Wow. Um, and I'm not encouraging like abject indulgence and irresponsibility, but at the same time, like for those of us who are given the privilege 
to take acceptable risks to live a better life, it kind of yes. gets to the point of being like, why don't you? It's almost right. disrespectful not to. Um, and so, and sometimes it does mean taking a scary risk. Again, we, we quote this almost every episode, right? Carl Jung talks about, you never know what's going to, when the bad thing is going to turn out great. And when the great thing is going to turn out bad. So you have to have courage to companion yourself and others on a daring misadventure. Um, and I think about, or, or Joseph Campbell, Joseph Campbell says, if you follow your bliss, then doors will open where previously there were no doors. And I gently disagree with that quotation because I think what it really is about is sometimes you just need the courage to step through doors. And if you have the courage to step through the doors that open, you will find your bliss. Um, you know, I, 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 I still think about a friend of mine saying, can I subcontract you to do five hours worth of work for me? on this random job that I did not have time to do. And I knew I didn't have time to do it, but it felt right. And that opened a a huge chain reaction of door after door after door. Mm -hmm. That was like falling down a flight of stairs and, and, you know, landing in the most amazing situation where now I live in New Mexico and I do this job that I love. Um, There's no logical causality that got me here. It was, it was luck and a lot of yeah. intuition and a lot of saying that's worth taking a risk on. Um, right. And a lot of following my own weird. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think it's worth noting too, that it wasn't necessarily easy either. It's not like this is oh, a, Oh, hell no, no, it's terrible. Yeah. It's not like this is just like some magical thing that happens. Like when I think about my, you know, one of my stories that has brought me the most joy in the past uh, seven years or so is, my buddy Tom and I getting a little bit too tipsy on my back porch, drinking some, some, some beverages. And we had this silly idea to start a company to build guitar pedals, you know? And, um, and it's been a hard, hard, hard journey to do this thing, you know, but it's also been one of the most joyous life giving things that I've done, which is to get to do this company with my two best friends. Um, and to see, you know, uh, like, Peter Frampton uses our guitar pedals, you know, I uh, just got an email from uh, monkey from corn, which, you know, kind of like funny little things here that it's like, it's, it's a kind of a fun thing that I got to do, but it's also been like working like, you know, 14 hour days, like every day of yeah. my life for the past seven years, yeah. you know? So it's not yeah. that it's an easy thing, but it's about, I think to yeah. me, it's always about finding those, those moments of bliss or the things that give you, give you pause and make yeah. you think like, Oh, that's, that's probably worth the effort. Cause, cause life is effort no matter what, right? Like there's always going to be effort Absolutely. and there's always going to be uh, pain and Absolutely. suffering. So it's a matter of where you maybe prioritize some of that, uh, that effort. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. And I really appreciate you saying that because it's, it's, you know, I remember the first time I looked at my doctoral program and it was so weird. And I was like, I'm going to do that. I don't care what happens or (laughs) how it destroys my life. I'm going to do that program. And then, and then work to stay in the program through a lot of personal tragedy. You know, my mom died while I was in the program. My brother died while I was in the program. I I lost, you know, the, the, the stock market crashed. Um, and I had gotten into, uh, a very, very like, uh, like an Ivy league situation that I chose not to do because I was like, no, I, this feels so right to me and I'm so glad I did. Um, but it's like everything else. Like it's, it's had its unique challenges and it's had its, it's, um, it's amazing payoffs that I never would have guessed that something that felt so right, 
um, could lead to so many other things that feel so right. But at the end of the day, I'd rather suffer for something that feels right than suffer for something that feels like what I'm supposed to do uh, or something that feels normal. Totally. Which is, uh, you know. I was thinking, you know, you mentioned it a little bit before that that um, this this idea of pursuing your weird or whatever, there is, you know, it, you and I come from a place of, of, of privilege in this, in that, yep. you know, in our last episode, we talked about our... <laughs> our wild wacky rides in the course of uh, finding love and, and, and losing love, you know, and, and it's funny because in a certain sense that has been uh, sort of a blessing in disguise for both of us to yeah. be able to pursue the things that we uh, wanted to pursue, you know, um, and, and you could argue yeah. whether that's cause or effect of, of living your weird, you know, um, but yeah. um but yeah, like, and, and I think too, like, you know, we also live in a, in a time right now where, you know, you've got, there's so much division, there's so much, you know, um, tumultuous stuff going on right now. And I was talking to a buddy the other night and he was saying like, you know, his idea about it is that, you know, what you're seeing is uh, a lot of people that because of like the disproportionate, um, uh, how wealth is getting disproportionately assigned to the top. You know what I mean? You've got less and less people that have the freedom to, to pursue their, their, their weird. You know what I mean? Where we're, more and more people are being forced into a position where they have to, you know, quote unquote, pursue the normal thing, what life is expected of them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think there, it yep. can't be overstated that, that, that being able to pursue your weird, there, it definitely comes with like you, you have to be coming from a certain amount of privilege to be able to do it. Absolutely. And that's, and that's where too, like be, be walking your own path and, and kind of like living your own weird doesn't always mean vocationally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've I, totally. I work as a spiritual director. So I work with, I work with, you know, clients and I have friends and we talk about this all the time. And I see, you know, sometimes even if you hate your nine to five or if it's, if it's survivable, sometimes that's the thing you do. Yes. To, make space to do the thing you're passionate about in your own time. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Like there's, there's a lot of ways. So, so I remember a mentor of mine when I was trying to decide whether to take the very weird doctoral path that I took or to do the more traditional thing. And, and, and I won't, I won't say what degrees cause I don't want to think I'm saying their degrees are boring. What, but what <laughs> would have been a more boring and traditional path for me? And she right. said to me, she goes, you know, I've known a lot of people who've done it both ways. She goes, I know a lot of people who take the traditional path and then they make it weird. And she yeah. goes, and I know a lot of people who, who take the weird path and then they just make the weird path fit the bills they need to pay and the, and the yes. normal and the taxes and the normal things you need to do to pay the piper. And she yeah. said, in my life experience is like, if you're passionate and you work hard, like both paths will get you there. Totally. Um, she said, I and, can't and- say one's better than the other. Yeah. And I think even me personally, I can say I've done it both ways. I can remember, you know, even, uh, in my younger years when I was doing the touring thing, um, I worked at an insurance company and I also worked at a pet store <laughs> to pay the bills yeah. so that I could do the weird thing of touring in a band. You know what I mean? And, and that was yeah. one path, you know? Yeah. And then eventually I got to the place where again, because of my personal, uh, circumstances, I was able to say, you know what? What if I just, went into this weird life, you know, and just did it, 
you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, and then it's because I didn't yeah. have a family. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a lot of huge responsibilities. Um, but yeah, both things. Yeah. Like I think the key is to find things in your life that matter. Um, regardless of if it's your vocation or if it's just something you really care about that you want to get involved in, um, to, to, to bring joy and, um, uh, excitement to life. It's, it's absolutely, I can't, I can't agree with you more, man. It's, it's like finding the thing. Like I, I remember when I lived in New York city, I, I, for the, the fastest way to tell the story is like, I was sort of like a chaplain for a theater company mm-hmm. and I worked with a lot of friends who were artists and everyone I knew was a starving artist who was trying to make it in the city. And the goal was Mm -hmm. to become a professional artist and get paid to do your art. And I, and I worked with so many people where it was like, look, maybe being passionate about your art is not about getting paid to do your art. Maybe it means you do another job that you're good at. And that gives you the space to create beautiful art that enriches your life. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're never going to be famous and, who the hell told you that you needed to be famous <laughs> to be fully committed to your art anyway? You know, like that's, that's a, a cultural script that we need to mm-hmm. deconstruct, which is the only way I can be authentic. And the only way I can live my own weird is if I'm somehow getting paid to do it. That's yes. bullshit capitalist brainwashing. And it's not true. And it, totally. it keeps a lot of us from our joy and from our passion uh, because we always feel like it's not enough. And that's that's a lie. That's a lie that needs to be taken apart. Just totally. As, just as and the I, same lie that says, like, you can't have things you love. Yeah, man. That's so beautifully said. And and I, I think there's more that we could talk about that. But I think there's another movie that I want to use to talk about that a little bit more in depth. But but a hundred percent. But a hundred percent, man. Like, you know, I just had a conversation with some friends the other night. Um in who are in the music industry. And I said that they were struggling with some of these ideas of like, well, what if I like the, the thing that I set out to do to make money isn't working right now. And it's in the, you know, in the music industry. And I said, well, what if that doesn't work out? Like, is life still worth living? Like, it, yeah. I hope it is, you know, and I hope it should be. Yeah. But again, that comes back to second half of life stuff, right? Like until you get to the place where you can appreciate that life itself is the thing worth living. You know what I mean? Sometimes we put our, our stock uh, too heavily on these dreams and these um, these perfect ideals that we have set up for ourselves um, when in reality, maybe just pursuing happiness in and of itself is kind of the point. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and letting yourself be happy. It's amazing yes. how many of us don't experience <laughs> happiness because we're so caught up in what we're supposed to be doing to be happy. I think, I think happiness is the most natural thing in the world if you can just make space for it. Mm. But we really, really, really don't make the space for it because we're too busy chasing all these scripts that we've been programmed to think that we're supposed to chase and doing all these things we think we're supposed to do, mm. which sucks. Regretting living in the past and regretting it and uh, being anxious about the future all the time. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This this is the thing I love again about, about Mulder and Scully's characters is like they fight the man while working for the man. It's that, it's that perfect dichotomy. Like, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, man. 
Totally. And, 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 and it's, it's a, like a reoccurring theme, right? They're, oh, they're always getting like, uh, you know, fired from the FBI and then trying to get back because they need the paycheck to do the work of questioning the government's narrative. <laughs> totally. I just listened. There was a, a podcast I was listening to the other day. Uh, it's called Decoder Ring. It's a pretty good podcast. And they were talking about this concept of the sellout. Which back in the yeah. early, like late nineties, early two thousands was oh a God. huge thing. Don't you could not be a sellout. Yeah. You can't be a sellout. And yeah. now this is a this is a concept. And I hadn't even thought about this until I listened to this podcast. Where nowadays it's not even a concept, especially among young kids, because they realize the idea of you're selling out no matter what you do. Right. Like you're, you're still, you're going to yeah. sell yourself one way or the other. You got to pay your bills. So it's a matter of, yeah. are you going to sell out in a way that like, uh, betters your future or are you going to sell out in the way that society tells you to sell out? You know what I mean? And it's so Absolutely. funny that like back when we were kids or when I was in a band growing up in punk rock, like you can't sell out, you can't, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which is nowadays, like, of course, if you can get on the radio or not the radio, but if you can get, you know, promoted or get on a big tour or whatever, go for it. Of course, because you get to play music. Do it. Like, don't even think about it. Dude. Just do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, take the money. I mean, don't sell your soul, but do like sell your exactly. music. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's great. And I think yeah. I think I experienced this a lot of with, with a lot of the younger people that I work with, and not the very young, right? Because I do think you're okay. right, like younger than me. Um, yeah. Because I think I think the younger younger get it because because yeah. they've seen it. But there's a generation between that and mine mm-hmm. um, that is so like I gotta be authentic, and it's like anything yeah. anywhere that could broach my. My unending authenticity. <laughs> I got to burn to the ground. And it's like, dude, all life is triage. All life is compromise. And the whole thing of being authentic is a little bit of bullshit anyway, because it takes decades to even figure out what your own authenticity is. Like yes. we're all doing the best and we're all lying to ourselves a little bit and we're all selling out a little bit and we're all doing the best we can. Like, you know, it, it's, um, there's, there's, there's a few times I've had a few people. And you don't realize that until you get a little bit older and you look back at yourself and yeah. you think, I was the freshman that just read that new, uh, you know, textbook preaching to my friends about yeah. <laughs> this new thing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, sure. I never went to college, yeah. but I was, I Absolutely. was that person, you know what I mean? Plenty of times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was authentic oh, yeah. and Me it too. was, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And that's how we learn. Right. And the thing of like, right. look, look, right. if you're going to live your own weird, unless you're a genius at it. I think you and I can attest to this. You're going to go through situations where you are going to not only have to step into something because it feels so right, but step out of something because it feels so yes. wrong. Yes. But realize yes. that you stepped into it and you invested a lot in it and it took you a long time to figure out that it's the wrong thing and there are going to be serious <laughs> casualties and damage of you stepping out, yes. right? Left a lot of burning buildings in my wake because I, because I wasn't (laughs) smart enough to realize something was a terrible fit for me. And then I either had to to kick the door down and leave or get thrown out the window. Um, It's, it's painful. And, and when you've been through it a few times, you realize, yes, sometimes you have to say, nope, not a fit. I got to walk away. But Mm -hmm. also when you've paid the price to do that, you don't do it quite so flippantly in the future. Like you take the time to know that you're right. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, yeah. And you get a little bit more wise to the warning signs, right? Like you, I mean, you know, you and I, I think back to when we worked at the church together and we had such high hopes for, for creating something that could have been a real life giving 
community of folks, right? And I think I think we yeah, were think on so. a path there that who knows, maybe I would still be a Christian, you know what I'm saying? Like had we stayed on <laughs> uh, on a certain path, you know? Um but at a certain point the warning signs became so like ridiculously clear yeah. that like it's just not going to happen. And 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 yeah. to be able to walk away from that to to cut ties with that thing that is like terrifying. Like I was terrified. You know what I mean? Because even doing that yeah. job was was sort of stepping into my weird at the time for me to say like, "Oh, I'm yeah. going to go do this Same. thing where I can play music," right? And yeah, and for you too. Like both of us like it was a, it was a little bit of a risk. I mean, probably more of a risk for you because you were coming back into a situation that had already sort of um Burned me once, yeah, yeah. Burned you wrong. once, you know. Um, but 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 yeah, like to 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 realize that to come to terms with like, holy crap, there's too many the the writings on the wall. We got to walk away. Yeah, you know. Um, but then you learn, right? And now we know. Like, I mean, I was there. I think four years, right? Yeah. I probably knew about two years in or a year and a half in. Like, oh, this is probably not going to work out the way I think it's going to yeah. work out. Yeah, I won't make that. Yeah, mistake but you, once again. you're in, you're invested, you. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to walk away. Same with me. It took me a long time. There were parts where I was like, well, this isn't a fit, but maybe it'll get better. And life is always triage and life is always compromise. But then to, to finally get to the point, it's like a frog in a pot, right? They say that thing. If you, if you put a frog in boiling water, it's going to jump out. But if you put a frog in a cold, in a pot with cold water and slowly turn it up, it won't notice. And it's, that's that thing. That's how it was for me to the point that I turned around and was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm selling my soul. This is so disingenuine. Um, and I was trying to speak my truth, but, but realizing, yeah, you know, uh, I, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. You know, I got the, I got the, I got the good job and I, and I, I settled down and I, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, but then I think some of us realize that even we'll do the normal thing in a weird way, you know? Um, totally. Yes. Like I, this is what I love about Mulder and Scully is towards the end of the show, the show becomes a romance at first. It's will they, won't they, are they friends? Are they colleagues? By the end, they're, they're a romance. And through the last few seasons in the second movie, they move in and out of relationship. So mm. it's very clear that they love each other. And it's very clear that what they have cannot fit into a normal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that's relationships right now, period. I think there's a lot of us that whatever it looks like to love someone, it's like, we, we gotta, we gotta find a different kind of a container for this because life is really complicated. And some of us logistically can't fit the container. And some of us are just too weird to fit the old fashioned normative container. And also, you know, gender normative binaries are breaking down. Like it's, it's a whole new ball game. Gender normative binaries are breaking down. And also, I mean, I think, you know, in general, people are like settling down later in life. I know this is a thing that I'm seeing with most of my friends, if not all. <laughs> I mean, I only have a few, like a handful of close friends. And I think we're all falling into that of like, holy crap, we're in our 40s and like none of us are married and we're not falling into that normal uh, narrative of what was we thought like I mean dude I was a hundred percent on board with when I was like 18 I'm like I'm gonna get married and I'm gonna like that's gonna be my life you know yeah. 20 yeah. years later here I am you know and uh yeah like it's it's a it's a weird ride that we're all trying to like you said it's triage right like we're, we're trying to figure it out yeah yeah and, and I think I think with us we get to a point in life where partnership starts to become you know finding someone that can love your weird 
even as you're trying to live your weird, can they love your weird? Can you love their weird? And can yes. you make some weird together? Um, I, I, you know, I knew a psychologist and again, this is, she was very French. She was very famous. She was very rich. So this is like the <laughs> ultimate statement of privilege. But she said one time, um, I know a psychologist that says the secret to a good marriage is, um, separate bathrooms. And she says, I know another psychologist that says the secret to a good marriage is separate bedrooms. And I say the secret to a good marriage is separate houses, um, which was, you know, like I, I get like, which, you know, absurd. But but there is but you, you literally say the same thing about partnership and it's not weird at all. Like some people, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's it's yeah. it's. You were all kind of like building it as we go and 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 so much stuff needs to be a custom fit anymore. Um, and I think, and I think the old scripts that helped people stay in the old norms are breaking down anyway. Totally. Um, I don't think we have the supports that we used to, to stay in the old norms. I just don't think it's possible in the way it used to be. No. And I think that that's sort of one of the good things that I think that I see is that I do think we are evolving in what we can, uh, understand as being a normal quote unquote relationship, right? Like I think we're evolving into a place where, like, yeah, most of my friends that were married are divorced, right? Mm-hmm. And like, some of them have kids, and there's like relationships are not the 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 stereotypical thing that we grew up in in the eighties. You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. not. And and those of us that that didn't get married, like, you know, I and I, I think the good thing is that we are evolving to a place where that is all okay, and we're all getting to a place where. We can say like, yeah, you're weird. I'm weird. We got my back. Like, I got my baggage. You got your baggage. <laughs> like, we can get yep. through this. You know, we we can get uh, to, yeah. to a good place. Yeah, and and is it baggage we can carry together? Uh, you know, like right. I, I love this this great quote. Joseph Campbell says, "If you can pay, see your path laid out before you, step by step, it's not your path." And that's very cool. And I I kind of mm. live my life that way, and it's very romantic. But it's a lot to ask people around you to carry that with you. Mm. <laughs> but you know some people say you can do it well and i think there's the one quote uh in the movie that stuck out to me when they're in the when they're in the hallway um i think it's right before they almost kiss and scully's talking about how she's gonna walk away and she's not she can't do it anymore you know and uh Mulder's trying mm-hmm. to keep her on board and she and he says um you kept me honest you made me a whole person you know yeah and and they like she kept him honest like she yeah saw that he was a weirdo you know what i mean but she kept him focused in that weirdness you know what i mean she let him be that weird guy but she kept scientific rigor on him to keep him honest you know what i mean i think that's you know as far as an allegory for relationship i think that's what we would hope for is that somebody can let us be our weird self but also keep us you know tied to reality <laughs> well yeah i mean and there and again we've this is what we're saying like they work because they're so different um yeah. and and it's that's the hard thing is to make space if you want to love your own weird and live your own weird and love someone else's and let them live theirs you have to make space for them to be different but also for them to poke and prod you and challenge you which doesn't yeah. you know be a dick about it but but i think by virtue of what we are yeah 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 that's well said <laughs> That's well said. Awesome. 
one last thing, unless you have anything else you want to say. I have one last I, little thing. I, I I'll let you up. get the last word. So I'll say my one last thing is, um, you know, Joseph Campbell says you have to give up the life you have planned in order to have the life that's waiting for you. And I, and I think, mm. geez, Richard Rohr is calling me. Okay. I might have to pause oh. for a second. Um, but, but, uh, one of the, th- and you probably need to cut that out, but, Yeah, take it um, all right, hang on. <laughs> Richard. Hey, hello, Michael. Sorry to bother you. No, no worries. Uh, What's going on? Uh, Welcome to the world of tomorrow. Hey, everybody. Ryan from the future here. And I just wanted to cut in to explain something. Um, at this point, Mike got a phone call from Father Richard Rohr, who, if you're not familiar, is a Franciscan friar who founded the Center for Action and Contemplation, which is the place that Mike works at in uh, New Mexico. And we're not going to include the phone call because it was work related, so it doesn't actually matter. But what does matter is that um, this was the first time that I had heard Father Rohr speak to Mike. And as you'll hear, it moved me quite a bit. I've cut it down quite a bit because I went on for about 15 minutes kind of talking about how much it was moving me. But it moved me for two reasons. Number one, it moved me because I know Mike's history. I know his story. I know that Mike has followed Richard Rohr's uh, work for a very long time. And I know that through a very serendipitous uh, series of events, he has now found himself working for this man who he respects uh, greatly. Um, but it also moved me because for me, uh, as a person who has grown up in the church and has since walked away and calls themselves an atheist these days, Father Rohr is still a person that I listen to. Um, I think his perspective on faith and what sort of the heart of faith is supposed to be about, uh, is, is, is beautiful. And he's also a person that is very open and honest and willing to talk about the way that the church as an institution, has failed a lot of us over the years um, and left us wanting more. And this, as you'll hear, moved me quite a bit. Um, and I just wanted you to have a little bit of context as to why uh, that happened. Um, so if you're interested about Richard Rohr, uh, there's a million podcasts that he's on that he talks about his uh, perspective about uh, spirituality and Christianity specifically. And you can go ahead and go to cac.org, which is uh, the Center for Action and Contemplation's website. So here we go. Hop in the Wayback Machine, go back in time, get back to the rest of the podcast. Okay, Michael. All right. Thanks I'll a bunch, see, Richard. See you tomorrow. Thanks for including me. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, bye. Take care. Sorry. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> I'm like I'm le- like I'm legitimately on the verge of tears right now. Like I'm not even exaggerating because I'm so happy for you. That is like it's Richard like, Rohr is calling is, you like th- like he's your buddy. <laughs> Talk about oh living God. your own weird, right? I'm legitimately like holy shit, I'm so moved right now. That is like wow, man. That is just so goddamn beautiful. Cuz here's the thing, like as far as like voices in the religious realm that I still give a shit yeah. about, it's you yeah. And him. Like, that's it. Like, those are the only voices that I, like, legitimately listen to at this point. And, like, wow. <laughs> that is so amazing. I'm so fucking happy for you. Holy shit. Thanks, dude. man. I, it's it's a gift. Wow. It's very that's touching. Awesome, it's a shame that we can't 
like distill it down into a, no. like a narrative. You know, there's no way. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you have to think about it. You could go back in and, and say, at this point in the podcast, Richard oh Rohr called Michael and Ryan started crying, oh which let God. us reflect on how crazy it is that our lives have ended up where they ended up. Um, oh God, wow. <laughs> Do you have any clue where we left off? When Richard called? I can't wait yeah. to see how you edit that. Um, this is going to be a nightmare, uh, by the way. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. We've been so all over the place. While I was trying to read the Joseph Campbell quote that says, you must give up the life you planned in order to have the life that is waiting for you, Richard Rohr called my phone (laughs) and interrupted (laughs) that. And then I, and then I started crying (laughs) and then you started crying because, because of living the life. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I don't remember. There was something I was going to say like, no, that's great. I think. So the last little dumb thing that I wanted to do is, just a silly little thing to kind of wrap up the episode because we're talking about the X-Files, which is what? I just remember what I was going to say. Do you want to say it? Yeah. Mulder and Scully, Mulder and Scully don't win. They just stay in the fight. Like they, mm. they never win. There's never any moment where they like defeat the bad guys or defeat the aliens. Like it always continues, but they yeah. just stay with it and they mm. stay authentic to their quest. Wow. That's all. No, <laughs> I feel like we could talk for another half an hour about that. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't yeah. end right. Like it's no. always just it's always just following it, right? Like it's always just fighting, yeah. <laughs> fighting the future. Holy shit! Um, fighting the no, future. Like, there it, it is. It literally is. By the way, I do want to say that's the one cheesy thing about the movie. They do the titular line in the movie. He says. The, yeah. I think it's the old guy says, you got to fight the future, <laughs> which is a yep. little bit cheesy. Yep. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing about living the weird, right? Like, keep on keeping on, right? Like, keep yeah. keep fighting to be weird, to uh, to pursue the thing yeah. that matters. Yep. It's not easy. Yeah. And there's no happy ending. It never gets, it never gets like, and now everything is great, but you just, you stay with it. And it's worth it. You, Jung talks about legitimate suffering. Suffer for things that are worth it, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, what's your funny thing? Wrap that's, this that's thing. Great. Land this no, thing, man. No, no that's great. I, this is dumb. I, I just wanted to ask you: Have you in your life ever experienced anything other than the the, the ghost story at the at the um, at the uh, the video store? Have you ever experienced anything? Have you ever seen a UFO? Have you ever seen anything creepy like that? I've seen a bunch of UFOs. Um, okay. I've Anything seen memorable and that, that sticks out. Um, I've seen two or three here and it's like something that's a little bit too bright to be, or, or the wrong shape to be a plane, uh, yeah. or moving too fast and also moving in a zigzag pattern. Um, yeah. Oh really? Oh wow. Uh, that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I saw one, I saw one, especially out here, man, it's New Mexico. We're known for UFOs. So I saw yeah. one that was like, uh, zigzagging up and down while streaking across the sky at a very high, so like making a continuous S pattern, and I was like, "What no. in the hell is that?" So that was cool. Um, when I was younger, I saw something that I don't, maybe it was ball lightning. I don't know what it was. It was an orb, and it was flashing multiple different colors while wow. dropping straight down out of the sky. I saw that with my buddy uh, Craig. He and I saw that together, and we're like, "Could you believe this?" Um, Wait, hold on. Is this is I, this 
Craig? Craig? Yes, that Craig. That you? That Craig. That Craig. Yep, absolutely. He was supposed to come home and feed the dogs. He leaves the dishes strewn about the kitchen. Oh, we have a, we have Sorry, a very everybody. frequently told. That's, no, yeah, that's a very inside joke that maybe one day we'll tell, but it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite stories of all time. Uh, that was a hysterical thing that actually happened. I uh, and then I saw I saw a, a UFO when I was driving past a quarry in Bangor um, okay. in January of '95. And then three months later, I ended up talking to someone else who saw the same UFO on the same weekend because we were like just talking about. Yeah. And and in she was driving up 191. I was driving up 512, but it was shortly after they intersect. And we both knew what weekend it was because we both were driving to events. So, yeah, man, I've seen. But 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 what does it mean? I saw something in the sky that was bright and I didn't know what it was. But definitely. Yeah. I've seen several. Yeah. Interesting. 95. So I would have been 14. Hmm. I wonder if it was the same weekend. I have one story, which is not as oh, nearly as exciting, but uh, Garrett and I were standing in my parents' back field, and I was facing one direction. He was facing me. We were you know, talking, probably doing something that we shouldn't have been as teenagers, and something fell from the sky very slowly, like way slower, like too slow to be a meteorite, and it was also way bigger than a meteorite. Like it was... Mm-hmm. at the distance I was standing, maybe like, you know, it looked like the size of uh, like a nickel or something in the sky, you know, just way too big yep. to be an airplane, yep. way sure. too slow to be a meteorite. Um, and it just fell down real slow and then disappeared behind, behind the horizon, you know? Um, but it was also too fast for me. Cause as I saw it, I told Garrett, but by the time he turned around, it was gone. You know what I mean? It fell behind the tree line. Did it, um, did, was it a color or was it like on fire? I don't remember. In my mind, it was just very bright, like white. That's all I. In my yeah. mind, but who? But so but weird. who knows? But it was way too slow to right. because I've seen a million meteorites and you know whatever. But it was way too right. slow for that. Same. Yeah, growing up where we grew up, you see shooting stars all the time. Definitely. Wow. That was a completely enjoyable episode. I did not expect it to go that way. <laughs> that was oh, cool, man. Ride. I'm glad. That was, that was it was. <laughs> and all in ways I would not have predicted. That's that what a what a journey that was, huh? Oh was my fun. god. That was super fun. That was fun. Um, I we we uh we so much appreciate all the listeners out there. Um <clears throat> just a reminder, we have an Instagram, it's Cinemarterpod on Instagram. Go over there, check that out comment uh give us suggestions talk about the episode whatever that's the way you can interact with us for now um thank you so much uh rate us review us all that bullshit that we're supposed to say we really appreciate it we've got some ratings on itunes so that's cool and it's uh do we know. Didn't know that that's amazing we do we do we do we don't have any reviews yet but we got ratings, okay. so that's that's a win, and uh, we're up over three hundred total views right now, or uh, three hundred total listens wow. as of as of the last time I checked. So we're well on our way. But obviously, this is more about you and I getting to have a good time than uh, <laughs> than turning one hundred percent real thing. So. One hundred. I, I can't wait to hear what you cut out of this to turn it into an episode because this was a super Dude. enjoyable conversation. We went in a lot of different directions. I can't wait to hear the edit and also. Yeah. I'm sorry. We we are at two and a half hours, so 
we'll see how yeah. this one plays out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We love you. This is the Cinemarter Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Right on, right on. Right on.